Welcome to SF Sight Audio Reviews. This broadcast, we're reviewing a book that puts a new twist on Mary Shelley's classic horror tale. The lightning bolt which gave life to the Frankenstein monster also bestowed near immortality to the unfortunate creature. He stayed on the fringe of society all these years, but now it's time for him to come out of hiding. In Frankenstein, Prodigal Son, Dean Kuntz and Kevin J. Anderson combine their storytelling talents, fast-forwarding 200 years to modern-day New Orleans. Here, Victor Frankenstein is alive and well and still experimenting with the definition of life. In fact, he's creating a new race to take over the world. Unknown to Victor, his original Frankenstein monster is also alive and determined to stop Victor from carrying out his horrific plans for humanity. As the story begins, police are investigating a string of grisly murders where the victims have had different body parts removed. Because I'm a librarian, the murder scene that caught my attention right away was the public library. Detectives are baffled to learn the victim's heart has been removed. Who's the Vic? Carson asked. Night security man, Harker said. The N stack sign declared aberrant psychology. Thirty feet away, the dead man lay on his back on the floor. So who found the body? A morning shift librarian, Harker said. Nancy Whistler. She's in the women's lab. She won't come out. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't blame Nancy one bit, especially considering that the forensics team later discovers that the victim, Bobby Allwine, had not one but two hearts removed from his chest. Lab technicians explain to the shock detectives how they know this is not a normal cadaver. For one thing, the associated plumbing, Jack said. He had the arteries and veins to serve a double pump. The indicators are numerous, but that's not the only thing weird about Allwine. What else? Skull bones as dense as armor. I burnt out two electric trepanning saws trying to cut through it. He had a pair of livers, too, said Luke, and a 12-ounce spleen. The average spleen is 7 ounces. A more extensive lymphatic system than you'll ever see in a textbook, Jack continued, plus two organs. I don't even know what they are. Having trouble getting her mind around the meaning of all this, Carson said, So what are the odds of this? Ten million to one? Wiping the back of his shirt sleeve across his damp brow, Jack Rogers said, Get real, O'Connor. Nothing like this is possible. Period. This isn't mutation. This is design. Carson O'Connor, one of the lead detectives on the case, is one tough cop. So, she decides to go to Bobby Allwine's apartment all by herself, late at night, to look for clues. Of course, this is a perfect time for something to go wrong, so it shouldn't be a surprise that O'Connor unexpectedly finds a very mysterious man already inside the apartment. She took a two-hand grip on the pistol, pointed it at him. Will you shoot me in the heart? he asked. You'll need two rounds. Your quarry isn't a crazed murderer. Your real enemy is his maker, and mine, too. What do you mean, I'll need two rounds? His techniques are more sophisticated now, but he created me with bodies salvaged from a prison graveyard. When he turned away from the window, facing Carson again, she glimpsed a subtle pulse of luminosity passing through his eyes. My one heart from a mad arsonist, he said the other from a child molester. My hands were taken from a strangler, 
he said. My eyes from an axe murderer. My life force from a thunderstorm. And that strange storm gave me gifts that Victor couldn't grant. For one thing, I'm not the monster anymore. It seems that the once-crazed Frankenstein monster has become rather civilized over the past two centuries. Meanwhile, his creator sinks deeper into depravity with each new morbid experiment. This is an interesting role reversal, giving a well-known story fresh excitement and meaning. Exactly how do we define a monster, and what is required to have a soul? Kuntz and Anderson offer an intriguing mix of detective, horror, sci-fi, romance, and psychodrama scenarios in this six-hour abridgment that's sure to have listeners anxiously waiting for the next installment of this four-part series. I'd like to thank Random House Audio for their permission to use clips from their audiobook in this review. This book was reviewed by Susan Dunman, who invites you to listen to audiobooks and read at the speed of sound.